Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this time, Lord, as we can open up your word and become closer to who you are by what you've given us to understand. We ask now, Lord, that you open up your word, you open up our hearts, and that the spirit may pour through, that you would speak clearly through me, Lord. We do lift up Pedro and his family right now, God, as they are in the midst of dealing with a medical emergency, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you will give them peace most of all, Lord, that you will remind them that you are still in control. We pray for your sovereignty in the situation, Lord. And whatever your will is, Lord, we ask, Lord, that it be, be accepted of it and know that it's for our good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So tonight, I want to talk about something that's somewhat obvious, but maybe not so much. What I want to talk about is receiving the prize without compromise. Receiving the prize without compromise. Now, you've probably heard those words many times for other applications, other incidents, other implications, if you will. And tonight may not be any different. I, I don't make that promise. However, it is the message tonight. Receiving the prize without compromise. How many of you got the opportunity to watch Party Olympics? I mean, if you had turned the TV on, you, you couldn't miss it. Throughout the whole COVID of it, athletes not coming in, no spectators in it. So it was a little bit weird and awkward. And I was watching some of these Olympians to see how they're performing because for most people, going to the Olympics is the highlight of their athletic life. It really is. Uh, it is harder to go to Olympics than it is to win championships because you get that opportunity every four years. So in that four-year span, anything can happen. Anything can happen. We, we saw some of the athletes who had, had children. We have heard of some of the athletes that had severe accidents. In fact, if you were watching, if you had your eyes open, actually, you heard of Simone Biles who suffered an incident and yet in four or five days later, she was able to compete again. That's drive. That's, that's, that's looking at the end goal. That is moving towards the prize without compromise. That's what that looks like. See, to become an Olympic athlete, my tongue is now fatter than my head right now, <clears throat> to become an Olympic athlete is a lifetime of training. It really is. There's no one that you know that's made it to Olympics that said yesterday, I played hopscotch. Today, I'm a gold medal winner. It's a lifetime, it takes a lifetime. 
Now, of course, you know, most of them are in their early 20s, so however you measure a lifetime, but to somebody in their life, that's their lifetime. And it takes dedication. It takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. I, I remember we were running track in high school, and a lot of us had to opt out to going to the prom because we had to run the next morning. Maybe not a big deal for some, but for others, you know, that's your one-time one prom. Many of us have given up the things, the social life that you have at 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, because we had a goal in mind. We had a goal in mind. So to receive the prize, to get it to the goal, to get to the marker, requires some sacrifice. And with that sacrifice is the supportive word, if you will, of not compromising. You may have to give up your diet. You have to give up candy, cakes, sugar, cookies, of which you can obviously see that I'm not training for anything. <laughs> you know, you have to give up some friends. You have to give up what may be considered leisure time. There's going to be some sacrifice to reach that prize. But this is not new to us. This is not new to man. This is not new to the Christian. This is not new to the chosen person. So if you look with me in Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, we're going to look at two verses there, three verses there, and then we'll go to another set. Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. <clears throat> and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. They have heard their cry, I have, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmaster. For I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up to a land, up to a land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, and unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hevites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold the cry of the children of Israel come to me and I have also seen oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. So as you're familiar with this story, I'll, I'll, I'm going to make that assumption of the Exodus, that God came to Moses or brought Moses to him, if you will, and made a promise to him. He said, listen, I see the suffering of my people. He said, I see that you're struggling. I see that you're oppressed. I see that things are coming down on them. Now, it's not as light as that because Egyptian slavery probably is much more intense than I can even describe in this situation. But God made a promise before Moses to Abraham that his descendants will be delivered, his chosen people. God now renews this promise to Moses and says, I made this promise and you're going to be the person to deliver. The message is not about the deliverer. The message really is about who's being delivered. See, so understand this, that while Egypt 
the Hebrews were crying out to God and they were, they were, people were dying and dying with this promise, knowing that we're really not supposed to be here. We really shouldn't be in this condition because there were some promises made to our forefathers. And finally, God hears it. So the promise he says, he says, listen, I'm going to deliver them. I'm going to take them to a land that is flowing with milk and honey, if you will. A land that will have all their needs. A land that will be full of what it will be, not to sustain life, but even to succeed in life, if you will. A land that, that the fruit is huge. We know that because when the 12 spies came back, they brought back branches that it took two of them to carry. So he promised them this great land, this great place. So, that, you know, if I come to you and if I have means, maybe like a God, and promise you this great land, what would be your imagination? Your imagination would have to take you to a place of ease, to a place where you can lay back, maybe retire, maybe a nice lake, maybe a mountain range if that's your thing, maybe the beach if you like that, not so much me, but, but a place that you can look out, be at peace, be retired, be without trouble, no more bills, mortgages paid, all the renovations that I ever wanted are done. I don't have to work. I work because I want to. It's a hobby for me. So imagine living in a land like that. This is the promise. But there was a caveat to that promise, if you will. See, the place of milk and honey also looked good to a bunch of other people. <laughs> the Canaanites the Hittites, the Jebusites, they lived there. So God said, I'm going to take you to this land of milk and honey, this land that's going to have all that you need, fresh water, fertile land. But you're going to have to clear the people there out. He said you're going to have to fight for it. You have to fight for it. I want you to listen to this thing. A promise of God does not come without your activity. The promise of deliverance does not come without your activity, without your participation. To the extent of where your participation requires faith, to the extent where it may require you to physically do something. So God says to these missionaries that we pray about every week, says, I need you to go to a foreign land to spread the gospel. And I will provide all your needs. But you are going to struggle a little bit. Because you're going to be in a land where you don't know the culture. You're going to be in a land where you don't know the customs. You're going to be in a land where you may not even know the language. You may not even have a friend in that land. And you're going to spread the gospel and you're going to fight for it. And I will deliver you. You see, we have these aspirations. We have these things. Well, God gave me the opportunity to 
do this or the opportunity to go here or the opportunity to go there. My wife recently got a promotion, praise God. But with that promotion came the idea of interviews. With that promotion came the idea that she now has to learn a new skill set. So much that they sent her a whole bunch of new electronic equipment. See, she has to fight for it. She has to work for it. She has to participate in this promotion that God blessed us with, but it requires some effort on her part. It requires some effort on our part. So God made a promise to the Israelites. He said, I'm going to deliver you, and I'm going to take you to the land of milk and honey, but you're going to have to fight for it. You got to move them out the way. And to learn, we got to come to grips with that our walk with Christ requires some effort. It requires some effort. The thing that we're fighting with may become confusing. The enemy is not always clear. The enemy does not always present itself right away. The enemy may give you a little bit of exposure to lure you into somewhere else where they can engulf you. When I was looking at this, I saw something that was interesting because it was like the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites, formidable nations, tribes in the area. Nations that did not necessarily love the God of Abraham, if you will. In fact, have established other customs, other gods. But the thing that I thought was most interesting when I looked at these tribes was they were direct descendants. They had the same descendants as the Israelites had. Lot was the father of the Amorites. Ham was the father of the Hittites. Think about that. These guys were distant cousins, if you will. Distant cousins. They came from the same bloodline, if you will. So when I thought about that, I said, wow, my enemy is outside, but it also came from within. I know that's complicated. Let me go back. The folks that I am fighting, the folks that they are looking to fight, that they are going to have to clear out of this promised land, were, the folk, were also their descendants, the same descendants of their forefathers, of Abraham, of Lot, of Jacob. All those families precipitate down, has those bloodlines spread out. Those tribes, if they did their DNA, or if they did their Ancestry.com, would trace back all the way back to Abraham, which means they, were, had, they had come from within the tribes, from within that nation, to become the enemy of that nation. How does this translate? This translates like this. As I walk my Christian walk, moving towards my promised land, I see my enemy, I see my objectives, I see who Satan is trying to do to me. But a lot of these battles that I'm fighting 
have come from within because they were from me, from my descendants, from my experiences, from my mistakes, and things like that. You see, the enemy is not always outside of you. A lot of times the enemy is inside of you. See, I need you to realize that. Because sometimes the very thing that we're fighting is something that we've been carrying. Sometimes the very thing that we're struggling with is something that is innate in us. Maybe even habitual in us that has come from generations before us. So it's not always Satan made me do it. The devil made me do it. It's not always my coworker that's driving me crazy. It's not always my spouse is getting on my nerves. It's not always my children. Sometimes it's something that has come right from within you, within us. What does that look like? My pride, my lack of patience, my inability to love, my idea of thinking this is how it should go and I have no room for any dissension. You see, the Amorites, the Jebusites, if you trace them back, they were cousins. However distant that they are, they were cousins. Because you have to think about it, Noah and his family started the whole thing over. So think about that that thing that you're walking and your promise there, making it to your promise, man, identifying who that enemy really is. Because any combat specialist would tell you, any boxer would tell you, any athlete would tell you, anybody who's surviving will tell you, know thy enemy. You have to know what you're fighting against. You have to know what you're struggling with. You have to know where it's coming from. But it is a fight. And I will have you believe nothing less than the Christian walk is a constant battle. If it's not, we should probably talk. Because one of two things happen. You either don't understand it or you've reached perfection. And if you've reached perfection, I most certainly want to know you. Because I'm trying to get there and have no expectation of getting in there on this side of heaven. So if you've made it, I got to know. Because then I can change all these messages <laughs> and just talk about you. The other side of this fight, the other side of this idea, as we looked at with the athlete, with the word, is that there can be no compromise in this fight. There can be no compromise. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 7. I am going to read from verses 1 to 11. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 7. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land where thou goest to possess it, 
and have cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, the Gigersites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, and the Hevites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord God, when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them. Neither shall thou make marriage with them. Thy daughters thou shalt not give unto their sons, nor his daughters shalt thou take unto thy sons. For they, for they will turn away thy sons from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. But this, but this, but thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars and break down their images, cut down their groves, burn down their graven images with fire. Listen to this. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. And above all people you are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you because you were more numbered than any people, for you were the fewest people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he hath sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out of with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out of the house of, house of bondmen, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful which kept covenant, with mercy and with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repay them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that, have, that hateth him, nor will he repay him to his face. Thou shalt therefore keep thy commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I have commanded thee this day to do them. So I want to look at verse 6. God has delivered. He has delivered and continues to strengthen in that deliverance. He has put us in a position where we will constantly be battling as we work out our salvation. And he did this for one reason. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. Lord, thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. So you may realize that the Israelites, were the Jews that we call now, were God's chosen people, chosen to be the light, chosen to be the representation of who God is, that nation that will say that we survive because of our God, the greatness of our God, the power of our God, not because they were the biggest nation, not because they were the strongest nation, not because they were the friendliest nation, not because they were the goodest nation, if you will, not because they were the best behaved, for none of those reasons, not because their descendants, well, maybe because their descendants, but not because their mom and pop were good. See, they didn't inherit that thing because of the work that their parents did. They didn't inherit that relationship because of the work that they did. They inherited that relationship because of the love, grace, mercy of God that he placed his hand on them and said, I choose you. So as we, 
that sit here tonight and call ourselves chains. So are us that call ourselves saved. For by grace you are saved, not that of yourself. It's the work of God. You see, we're not saved because we were good. We're not saved because we had good parents. We're not saved because we checked off all the steps. We're saved by faith because God chose us. There is nothing we can do to merit that salvation. So everything we do demonstrates our love and thankfulness of that salvation. Because if you notice, the nations that did not, that were not chosen by God, were sent by the people of God to be destroyed. So consider yourself special and remember that. As remember, we live in exile. Is that right? <laughs> you see, it's, it's, it's God's grace that protects us and keeps us. And with that grace comes the responsibility of living as a holy chosen people. Because believe it or not, we are a set-aside people for a good purpose. The, all of the New Testament describes that. That we are a set-aside chosen people. So what is our prize? Our prize is our continued relationship with God that may one day we enter into rest. Now, where you hold that rest in heaven or back here on earth, it's a conversation for a later time. But there is a rest that God is delivering us to. There is a land of milk and honey that God is delivering us to. And he asks not to compromise. He asks not to compromise. You see, what's happened is because of compromise, the church potency has diminished. We, 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 we no longer have has saints the influence in this country that we used to have. Because of compromise, we've given up prayer in school, if you will. But because of compromise, we, we no longer have the credibility in the eyes of the world to say, well, how dare you tell me how to act when you guys do the same thing? See, because of compromise, we, we, we lost the credibility to call somebody else on their sin. That's not judgment. That's witness. See, I can't judge anybody until I can actually exact punishment. But I can witness. I can share. I can call out. But a corrupt vessel can't hold a pure message. We're a holy, called-out people that God has delivered us from the penalty of sin. He is continuing to deliver us from the power of sin. And soon we will be delivered from the presence of sin. But with that deliverance comes a responsibility that we continue to fight. We continue to work out our salvation. We continue to hammer it away. We continue to destroy those things that so easily beset us. 
and we can't compromise. We can't give in. So you want an Olympic gold medal? You're gonna make some sacrifices for a long time. The problem is with that Olympic gold medal, that if you looked at every estimate, if not one other, 10 other people had the same goal and believed they had the same promise. But don't we live in a world where folks feel that way too? Does not the whole Muslim religion feel that way too? We have a job to do, men and women. It's our responsibility to continue to fight the good fight. It is our responsibility to uphold and reestablish the moral credibility of the saints of God. It is our responsibility to continue to demonstrate what love and grace and the power of God is in our lives through situation after situation. Today we pray for motorcycle accidents, emergency hospitalizations, political issues in the, in the Far East, I mean, in the, in the Middle East. I assure you, those folks will continue to fight the good fight. We must do the same. God has promised us deliverance. You will have to fight for it without compromise because we are holy chosen people. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this time. We pray, Lord, that you have spoken, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you will give us the grace and the strength to continue to moving forward as you have called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.